Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today, I welcome back my brother, John Frank, as I think it's his fourth episode. John is a physical therapist and a functional anatomy genius. Today we talk about the foot, which is a very, very, very hot topic and requested topic from many of you viewers and my followers on Instagram. So enjoy our very in-depth discussion of the feet. Today, welcome back my brother, John Frank, a physical therapist. He's been on, I think, three other episodes. Welcome, John. Well, um, glad to be back. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the feet today. And I put out on Instagram, just you know, that you were going to be coming on and, and I got a ton of questions. So I'll try and consolidate some of these questions about the feet. Let me first ask you, in your opinion, what is the biggest problem that you see in the physical therapy world and running world, movement world in general, with the feet? I see feet that have been deconditioned by shoes that are um, overly stiff. And this stiff with a elevated heel, with a narrow toe box, which um, a lot of most shoes are like that athletic shoes or, you know, athletic shoes are almost like a mini, not a toned down version of a high heel. So high heels, it's pretty obvious that is not what the foot was meant to, uh, the posture of the foot was meant to be held in and um, is probably recognized by most women and men that it's not good for you. But women just, you know, make that uh, sacrifice to look a certain way. But even athletic shoes, running shoes included, they have, uh, they have elevated heel. They tend to be heavy. They tend to have too much, uh, too thick of a sole. They tend to have what we call a, um, a heel counter or a posting where the heel 
is wider and longer than the natural foot, which puts all type of kind of torque on the whole body. Um, but it's just um, this, this, and it's really the belief, I think. It's more the belief that that's normal and good, that the foot needs protection. Um, I would say overprotection, that the foot is not, can't handle, you know, the rigors of everyday living um, unless it's really kind of really uh, supported and, and and that can put in when you're growing up and you and most kids start wearing these kind of stiff shoes and uh, and these uh, with these features pretty young and that really affects the growth the how the foot is formed uh, so so it's really just I, I think that even the belief of most professionals physical therapists podiatrists uh, orthopedic uh, orthopedists almost everyone thinks that the foot needs protection needs to have support but if you think about evolutionary biology is pretty it doesn't make a lot of sense because evolution has molded all most of our features to uh, be able to operate in pretty effectively without um Protection. Protection. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's not everything. Even the sole of the foot, I mean, is way thicker because it's can get uh, th that conditioned skin uh, so that you don't, you know, when people shave off, I mean, I do it too because you get these big calluses and stuff, but some of those are really there for a reason. They're protecting the skin so that you can walk around yeah. barefoot, you know? Yeah. And, and, and the foot is the most, one of the most important sense organs for balance because it has uh, there's four times as many uh pressure sensors or or pressure sensors on the sole of the skin on the sole of the foot than any place else any other place on the skin in the body that's why it hurts so much when you <laughs> stub your toe or that, something you know right. it's and really really sensitive so if yeah. you think about wearing a thick shoe it's like almost wearing um you're ear muffs over your ears mm. uh sunglasses over your eyes you're really uh, decreasing the amount, the sensitivity and your uh, sensory uh, input to your your brain that we use to keep our balance. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, it's, so uh, it, it's interesting. A lot of people wrote. Um, I mean, I got you know, but, but tens, that, lots yeah. of yeah. Go ahead. I would like? say yoga is a great. I uh, is 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 great for. Uh, rehabbing feet or just keeping mm -hmm. a healthy foot because you're barefoot, you're balancing. You know, when you're running, running barefoot is not for most people or running even minimally sometimes. You have to be, there's a lot of impact for the five times the body weight. So I wear very kind of thin shoes, with wide toe box, and it has had some protection uh, against those high impact forces but it allows the foot to function pretty normally otherwise. Uh, with yoga, you can really just take off your feet. And, I mean, take, take off, off your shoes and socks, <laughs> not take off your feet, uh -huh. and really use and strengthen all the muscles of the feet uh, in a in a safe way because there's not, not, not a lot the of impact. impact. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So some people have written, and I mean, I know the answer, but I'd love to hear yours. Like when they are balancing on one one foot yeah um they get intense cramping in the foot so yeah. and they're like why is that happening what would you what is your postulation i oh, i know and, what and, i would say in the feet yeah uh, it's weak intrinsic mm -hmm. feet muscles your yeah. feet are um you, you if you look at the bottom of your foot 
if you there's a lot of muscles there. Uh, there's 26 bones, I believe. Um, the, the foot is a very um, um, the foot has to is a very complex structure um, because it has to be a mobile adapter. So when you land, walking or running, it has to be able to uh, absorb and dissipate some of the impact, and it also has to kind of. Uh, adapt to the shape of the ground but then it has to become a rigid lever when you push off so it's a very kind of complex uh um complex part of the body it relies on ligaments it relies on bones uh the joints to do the job of becoming a, a mobile adapter and rigid lever but also very importantly uh the muscles uh that help control the the movement and the um, the movement of the bones of the foot, so it can do both of those different and almost opposite functions. Of a right, being rigid, like yeah, because I call, I actually have a class to go with this, and it's called foot loose, and it's this idea of like being able to be have looseness to actually be able to have this like fun freedom to dance and stuff and yeah. and jump, um, because the the foot needs to be. There needs to be such a, uh, well, the articulation of all these different joints. There's so yeah. many bones that come together in joints is really like a well-articulated foot is really what we're after. So yes. the well-articulation, for those of you who don't know, is like where two um, bones come together, they form a joint, and that's called an articulation. It's assuming that there's movement there. And that ability to move well, um, it, it actually sounds like being able to talk well. You're articulate. It's like when you're articulate in your movement, um, you're also eloquent. So, so what would be some examples for besides standing? Obviously, standing. So for those people that are cramping, um, shake it off if you need to, but maybe instead stay with that feeling for a little bit and try and help the foot by you know grabbing the floor as if you were. I was always saying like almost like you're have your foot in sand and you're pulling, you know, at the beach, you're pulling that foot uh, tissue together between the big toe and the heel. But uh, what what are some exercises you would say for people who feel like their feet are really weak? Well, and also flat-footed people. I think these are probably the same answer, but I think a lot of people who have flat feet falling, you know, the arches are not um, well-developed and they just kind of land, but there isn't that articulation. It's more like a land and like squash. Yeah. <laughs> um, what would you say would be good for these intrinsic, so intrinsic or there's uh, muscles within the foot themselves? I, what would you say would be some good exercises? I mean, I, mean, I think that easy thing is just when you get home, take off your shoes and yeah. socks and just walk around barefoot all the time mm-hmm. when you're inside. It's really spend as much time barefoot as you can because they've shown that if you spend time barefoot, even if it's your muscles are atrophied from being in shoes and stuff, so forth, it can um, it, it strengthens the muscle uh, that arch lifts and um, and the muscles get stronger. So that's an easy way to do it. Um, there are genetic differences and structural kind of uh, idiosyncrasies between uh, people's feet. Uh, there's stuff where the rigid foot, where there's um, where there's actually um, there's a subtalar joint is the foot is a joint right below the ankle joint, and that kind of unlocks and relocks the foot to become a, a mobile adapter and rigid lever. Um, but it can be you can have genetic differences that makes it more mobile or less mobile. There's can be um, that joint can have one kind of uh, joint 
two joints or three joints called uni, uh, bi, and triarticulated subtalar joint. And that's just the genetic, that's that's what you're given. So what um, are you going to see um, for those people? Like, what would you see for somebody who has the uni versus the tri, um, triarticulated? So the... the the, the tri is going to be a very high arch, rigid mm-hmm. foot. And so it, it's, you know. Those so people I feel, yeah, I see those people and that yeah. it's tough. You might be on the outside of your foot more. There might mm-hmm. be more pressure and uh, stress uh, through the outside of the foot. Um, if you look at that, uh, the ankle bone, the heel bone from behind, it is it, either, it can't turn out at all, which we call calcaneal eversion is kind of, it just stays in a vertical position or stays slightly turned in. Then you have, you know, ideally a biarticular joint is one that can do both. Mm-hmm. It can, uh, you know, be, it can, uh, what we call, say, in supination, which is that the arch is higher, is more rigid. And then it can also pronate, which it becomes flatter um, uh, and it becomes uh, the heel turns in a little bit. Um, but that's an important motion, by the way. Pronation, uh, if you look, you know, the, if most people think, well, pronation's bad, you know, I gotta have shoes that stop pronation. Pronation is actually great. If you, people who can't pronate, those triarticulated right, joint people the have a people, lot yeah. of, they can't really absorb force or impact. Mm-hmm. So they, they get in a, um, they get in a lot of trouble. They get more stress fractures and they just, um, um, so it and and you need to pronate the f- the foot to uh, unlock the knee joint too. Um, so when your foot goes from a more of a high arch to a flat uh, position, um, the knee, the lower uh, the tibia, which is a shin bone, starts to roll in, rotate in, following the talus, which is the um, uh, the ankle bone, and that helps to. Uh, unlock the knee, so to speak, so it can bend from a straight position to a bent position. So you you need all that. It just has to be controlled. Um, so over, do you think there is such a thing as over pronation? Yeah, the pronation, yeah, it can be over. You can't overly Is that pronate. really when you see it um, up the chain, like falling in to the knee joint? Yeah, y- yes. Um, I think when you overly pronate, it's more doesn't go quite up to the knee joint. The, the body is pretty clever. So the body, for people who really move a lot in the subtalar joint or in that kind of ankle, right below the ankle joint to yeah. help to pronate or flatten the foot, they have less they have less knee movement rotation per degree of pronation. Uh, people who uh, don't pronate much, they have a high arch foot and it doesn't really change that much. It doesn't flatten. They uh, have more degrees of knee rotation, which the tibia internal rotation is the official, uh, really uh, more specific mechanism than um, per pronation. So they, so the body, the knee moves about the same. The, the, the knee mechanics are similar between a high pronated uh, foot and a not so pronated foot, which has not, I, I grew up or I was taught that, you know, people who pronate usually they, they, it's going to, they're going to rotate their knee too much. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't, 
it doesn't, it, that's not the case. So the when the knee people. falls in, do you feel like that's coming more from the hip? You, if it falls in too much, yes. Yeah. If it falls in too much, it's coming from the It's going to have some of that valgus yeah. mo- m- m- moment where it, it is it is moving. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it falls in because if, when you're, the knee falls in too much, mm-hmm. that means the femur, the upper part of the knee, that the, uh, thigh bone rotates inwards more than the tibia, the lower part of the knee bone. Mm -hmm. The pronation of the foot is only responsible for the internal rotation of the shin bone. Mm -hmm. So it's really is really the hip weakness that's going to be more and more likely to cause um that the knee falling in. Okay. Actually supinated feet are more likely to cause uh cause that knee to turn in because it's like you kind of compensate rotating the knee to get the big toe in the ground because you can't, you have uh, a hard time doing it through your foot. So actually we see more of that. Yeah, supinated people are rolling onto the outer border of their foot, which is the opposite of pronation when you're rolling to the inner part. Um, and so, you know, this, yeah, I agree with John, the supinated people, like when I see somebody with really high arches, it's, there's a lot of rigidity to that. It like gets like very, and the um, I think also the, the people with, the hallux rigidus, the rigid toe, or even the bunions, uh, it seems to be more um, more of the people that are having that higher arch are going to experience that because it just kind of... It, pulled- it could be. It could, you can yeah. have both, that rigid yeah. toe. The one thing that's... Um, and there's two types of pronation. The pronation is kind of... There's subtalar joint pronation, this uh, mid-tarsal right, right. joint, oblique axis pronation. So there's some details that's kind of doesn't... That's is the that, thing. Is the foot going? is. I know the yeah, foot I mean, is so I'm not complex. Going to go into it, right. Like, uh, this, this, Basically, this. if you can imagine your uh, a footprint, and you look at the foot, and it's like you divide that into thirds. So you've got like the the where the heel is, and then you've got the middle part, and then you've got the the toes and the metatarsals, the like kind of round the round part. If it was in a footprint, like where the toes meet the feet, and so that's like the three the three main areas of the foot. And it, within those, there's movement on, there's translation on different in different ways. And then the way they all kind of interact together creates um, the arches. There's not one arch, but several arches that all work together to collectively create what we call the arch of the foot. So that's why I think John's saying like, get barefoot so that your, your, your foot has a chance to have this... Um, this opportunity to be on the floor and get all that feedback up through the floor into these different ranges of the foot, but he, yeah, it is it is more complex for sure. Um, and, and you know, I have to I have to say I I I, um, I I'm going to correct myself a little bit uh, when you're when you the the pronation is 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 not a problem for the knee when your heel first touches down to foot flat. Usually, is not the problem. But if it stays in pronation with push off, that can be a problem Mm. because the knee cannot kind of go back to its normal alignment. I mean, for for the knee being straight, it can't. It has to do the opposite. The lower leg has to rotate externally or outwards, and the um, but not to get the knee neutral. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's um, um, so it can be a problem. Um, I've seen those people running too, where it kind of looks like they're dropping in and they almost have to like counter swing the leg out to the side, like that, like little, you know, like, 
funky yeah. little run. Yes. Now you have to be, again, the body is very complex. Yeah. You have to be very careful because... Um, is that coming from the hip or the foot? You don't know. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's the bony, it's the bony anatomy that mm-hmm. you're not going to change. So the, tw- the person, the woman who came in second place at the London Olympic marathons, if you look at her, her feet are being kicked out sideways, mm-hmm. but her knees are pointing straight ahead. My guess is that she has antiverted femurs Fem- mm-hmm. where it, it's they just, roll it, in a little bit. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just the angle between the neck of the femur and the shaft of the fem- femur is such that when the hips are neutral, the knees pointing slightly in. And so you wouldn't want to, you're not going to change that. So you have to, that's the tricky part. Not everyone's going to look the same and you have to be very careful to distinguish between a foot, as you know, what what seems kind of the knee and the foot, is it it really a a matter of the bones that you're not going to change or is it a matter of weakness or tightness? And also what the foot looks like and what the knee looks like statically is not necessarily how it looks in motion. In motion. Yeah. So it's, it's more complex. Than, right. But so dividing the foot up, like I just was talking about, let's talk about the different things you can see in, in all the areas because people have written about this. So the first, let's start at the heel. Um, what do people, what is someone to do if they have a heel spur? What are your recommendations? Okay, so a heel spur is is due to um, uh, overuse of the flexor digitorum brevis. They used to think it was a plantar fascia that was causing it, uh, pulling, which is a ligament on the sole of the foot. Um, but it's really the um, the muscle attachment of this this muscle called the flexor digitorum brevis, which is helps us support the arch of the foot more towards the outside arch, like mid or mid arch to outside. Um, that can be very related to uh, a, a weaker foot, um, a flatter foot. Um, some of the uh, muscles that kind of um, control that pronation, that flattening in the foot, like the posterior tibialis, flexor halicus, and digitorum longus, they help to control that. But if, you, if the foot it kind of remains flat, um, then the flexor halicus brevis, I mean, yeah, flexor digitorum brevis mm-hmm. is working hard to So that's stabilize. like, it's like clawing the ground kind of. That's yeah, what, it's yeah. just kind of, it's just working extra hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it has an important, it is very important for that muscle to be strong and to, and to stabilize the foot. But when, when the other muscles aren't doing their job, uh, like, and that's what happens when your foot remains abnormally flat, even through push off, then that flexor halicus brevis is working. Uh, I mean, flexor digitorum brevis is working really hard. So that's the bone spur. So usually they're related to a flat, weak foot mm-hmm. that you can improve by, again, um, Getting it's barefoot. really strengthening mm-hmm. going bare, going barefoot. I mean, you know, that's the generality of it. Sometimes there's uh, different little aspects of people's feet that, um, that you have to work on. But uh, rest assured, there's usually something going on and there's usually... Um, Due to a a muscle, a, a foot overuse. that's kind of weak, yeah, and so it's overusing kind of the last one muscle that's trying to do everything, and it and in that muscle you overwork it, it pulls on the bone, the inner heel bone, and it starts to form a heel spur. Um, heel spurs are usually when your body, when you've been overusing an area, the 
our body is smart and and probably stem cells will call upon the osteoblast to come in and lay down some, it's like extra construction material. And that's what a bone spur is coming to actually try and help out because that those muscles and fascia connecting to them are overused. And so they, you know, inadvertently call upon um, structures to come in and, and lay down more material to give them support. And those structures are going to cause you pain because it's a bone spur, essentially. It is bony material, but it's not like it's a permanent bone. Um, they do go away uh, with time. And there's remedies for that, including, you know, traditional and non or like holistic and non holistic stuff. But I think if you can um, get the inflammation down and then work on the strengthening, um, and getting barefoot, that'll help. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the mechanics, but mm-hmm. and, but then you can, you know, you can do things like uh, to help the symptoms, like uh, the current symptoms, like a a gel, a gel heel pad or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's really, the foot is really, um, again, all you have to do is go to countries and or go to see people who never wear shoes or they really have very few feet problems. Um and this is not, I'm not trying to romanticize like living right, as right. gatherers and hunter and gatherers because, you know, that's been done before and they they have issues. They but, have different issues, but, but, then but these aren't one of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, this is truly a, uh, a societal uh, induced um, uh, yeah. injuries usually uh, with the feet. Um, it's mm-hmm. abnormal shoes and... Not and not moving enough and not squatting enough. So in that same area, plantar fasciitis, um, plantar fasciitis, I've seen a lot as well. And I kind of know what you'll say. And a lot of it's coming up the chain into the glutes and, and also making sure the calves are strong, but also mobile. Um, any other? Well, there's an interesting theory by this. And I think it makes sense by this guy who, who uh, invented correct toes, Ray McClellan. Callahan, he's at um, Correcto's. Uh, he's he's in Oregon, but he he thinks is is a is, should be called plantar fasciosis. So there's there's evidence when they look under the microscope of these plantar fascia. Like a lot of times, a patient will oh, be so painful they'll just take it out, which is you know it it, it decreases the stability aye, aye. by fifty percent right mm. away. But they take it out and they looked under the microscope and there show signs that the, the tissue shows signs of cell death, and which necrosis, which is a sign that you're not getting enough blood flow. So his theory is when the, when the uh, arch is too flat and the ankle collapses too much, it restricts the blood flow of the posterior tibial artery, which supplies blood to that area. And so there you have necrosis. Um, so I necrosis is a bad word. It means death. death. <laughs> death. Yes. Cellular um, death, tissue yeah, death. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, so one of the, and if you take your big toe, some, a lot of people have their big toe more going in too much. Mm-hmm. It's not straight ahead. The big toe should point straight ahead. Mm-hmm. Anything maybe slightly outwards, but pretty much straight ahead. So if your uh, foot turns in, um, it's kind of like called a bunion, but uh, there's different stages. A bunion is more in the last stage. But if the foot turns in, there's a muscle called the abductor hallucis that gets gets stretched as well, and that will that will put pressure on the 
uh, posterior tibial artery. So I, if you have a foot, that a big toe that turns in, uh, besides giving you a lot of potential problems with your, uh, your big toe joint, the first metatarsal flange joint, like uh, hallux limitus and rigidus, like that, that rigid big toe, it also can really perpetuate the, or cause plantar fasciosis. Um, so correct toes is a really... Yeah, uh, John and I both, I mean, he turned me on to this a couple years ago and it's, we don't get any, we don't get any kickback yet from correct toes. And they are, somebody actually asked me, are correct toes worth the money? Yes, they are. Yeah. There are a lot of kickoff, um, more synthetic and cheaper versions that uh, I have not found to be um, right. at all comparable. These are silicone and they're very, very sturdy, but comfortable. You can really... And they're flexible. Yeah, they're I've flexible. Had my, I've yeah. had mine for nine years. Yeah, they, they last a and long time. It's, so it's, it's only what, $65 or $80? It's $65 it might be a, yeah. and it lasts... It's so worth it. So go, if anybody is has the a bunion, you definitely need these. If anybody has a bunion developing, you definitely need these. And then if you just want to... Um, make sure that you don't get one at all. Just get them anyway. These are really great for everybody because if you've spent time in a shoe, I mean, I, I spend most of my life out of a shoe and I still will occasionally put the, the correct toes on because I had a lot of years of running. And um, so that kind of deeper tissue stuff is still there, you know? And, and I mean, like it doesn't take much for it to want to creep and make and, my, and, yeah. And I would say, um, if you have a beginning of that, Bunion or ha- the the technical term is hallux abducto valgus. If it's look at your shoes, I mean, is most almost every shoe, traditional shoe, athletic shoe, running shoe, dress shoe, have a has a narrow or a tapered toe box. That means the 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 toe box is widest at the balls of the feet, and it gets more narrow as it goes to the tips of the toes. Now, it should be the opposite. Your widest part should be the tips of the toes. And so if you think about that, if you put your foot in that position for most, a lot of the time, a lot of the day, your your body is going to be molded into that position. Your, the big toes can be tr- uh, pushed It's like inwards. a semi-binding, yeah. It is. And it's, it's you know, it, it's... I think it, we've been uncomfortable looking at feet. You know, if you think about it, it's like hide the feet and then put really pretty shoes on, but... And we should be, and when you look at a primitive foot, somebody who, when primitive meaning like what we were talking about, they're living in a culture where they don't wear shoes. I mean, their feet look totally different. And I think they're beautiful, but a lot of people would look at them and be like, whoa, they're so large. They're spread out like our hand practically. And, you know, they're strong, very, but but people, um, somehow we've made the foot very, this unattractive feature. And it's actually amazing. Like what we do on our feet all day is, is incredible. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's like uh, think about trying to do like hammer a nail without using your big thumb, or without using your thumb, is the same thing as trying to walk and run with your without being able to use that big toe. When you push off, uh, most of the weight goes to the big toe. Uh, as well as the second toe, so the first metatarsal phalange joint and the second, as well as the toe itself. That push, if you when you roll to your big toe and second toe, when you push off, is you have very powerful push off. You can use your calf muscle more, and um, the big, uh, the first metatarsal joint is very thick and 
um, and thick and strong. So it's meant to handle that forces. But when your big toe is pointing inwards, it can't really, the, the joint, the first metatarsal phalange joint, that big toe joint that connects the ball of the foot to the big toe cannot function properly. It cannot accept the weight. And, um, it can't bend backwards, which it needs yeah, to do. Yeah, and that, that's that rigidity. People talk, like it really feels, you can well, see for people, it just it's either looks rid- and feels rigid. It will rigid. eventually become rigid or that big toes is sheared inwards. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a, uh, a kind of a, a, what we call it, a shearing is, a, is a sideways force in the joint. And and so you'll get, so it, then it kind of, puts more pressure on the uh, second and third metatarsal. So so you want the big toe aligned with the arch of the foot. And if it's turned inwards, it's not going to be good. It's, um, it's going to cause a lot of problems. Yeah, so get those uh, toe spreaders and get on um, bare if you, foot. If you need it. I, I, yeah. I don't really, I, I actually use mine for hammer toes, which is a another issue but it helps to stretch out my hammer toes and um but it does i can feel my big toe like big time and i feel so stable and strong yeah. with this big with oh it really makes toes. a difference yeah. yeah so um let me just take this lot there's so many questions here um one person said she feels like she has arthritis in her upper foot and it hurts to dorsal flex so dor- the dorsiflex is when you um, pull your toes back towards your shin. What What do you think is going on there? Arthritis in the upper foot hurts to uh, dorsiflex. Well, if she means the like... front of the ankle, I would mm-hmm. say when you're stiff and if you if you're habitually uh, again wearing shoes that have an elevated heel, you lose your ability to what we call dorsiflex, which means where the foot moves towards the shin bone. You need to be able to dorsiflex ten to you know, ten degrees, let's say, or fifteen when you walk to get the leg behind you. So when you're stiff in that, I would say it's probably the ankle joint, she means, the uh, mm. talocrural joint. Mm-hmm. Um, there's impingement of the talus on the um, tibia. Yeah. Um, so there's that lack of motion. Uh, you can uh, actually kind of glide the talus back like you, you do with your femoral head um, in the acetabulum. So when we talk about triple flexion and really being able to flex at the ankle well, uh, this is why, because all of those are, they need to all work together. The hip needs to flex well. The knee will just flex well because the hip and the ankle are flexing well. But that's yeah, right. you can glide that talus back. And, I, and so it was a pain in the front of the ankle. I would say that's the mm-hmm. most usually reason why. Um, and that might be because, A, you're, yeah, you're not dorsiflexing well, and maybe it's coming all the way from your hip and it's being reflected down into your ankle. So you have to look at the whole thing. Let's take one more question. The last one would be just nice and fun because I know actually you and Miles crack a lot. Um, the ankle cracking. My this woman says her ankle cracks all the time when she's, you know, moving. Is there anything to that? And there's no, no pain. But it's it's called cavitation, um, which is just means that. I just said our our bodies are noisy and we're just like they don't even they've looked into it and. You know, it could be, I will say, um, sorry to interrupt, but if you've, because I have sprained my ankle and I know that for years afterwards, it didn't make noise when I was walking or standing on it. But if I were like to do that circle, so I'm not also a big believer in circling your ankle joint. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I, the ankle joint is not a ball and socket joint. And so ball and socket joints circle pretty freely. You have two of those, your shoulder and your hip, but circling your ankle 
um, it feel it can feel like a little grindy, right? So I just kind of I think that you know mobilizing it in weight bearing, you're not circling it, right? So it's just kind of hinging, and then there's some then then there's some lateral movement. But what, what would you? What are your thoughts I, on that? I would that? say the cracking. I wouldn't worry about. Yeah. It's just it's what basically there's a negative pressure um, in the for the quick. It, sometimes it happens with loose joints, but it, it's there's the negative pressure when that kind of joint moves a little uh, fast, and um, some of the uh, gases get sucked up from the uh, in, inside the joint fluid, and that makes a cracking. But it's. It's, I wouldn't worry about it at all if it's not painful. It's not arthritis. So mm-hmm. it's, um, it, you know, what's interesting about the body is if people who are born with um, what we just say a, a fused subtalar joint, it doesn't move. Fused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The body, if it happens young enough, you will actually, the ankle will remodel itself to more of a ball and socket joint. That's not normal, mm-hmm. but the, That's body, interesting. the body can adapt to most things, even bone-wise um, through a principle called the Volk, Volkman's principle, Herder Volkman's, which means the body will start to take away bone where there's pressure and it'll start to remodel. It's almost the opposite of a bone spur as you get older where pressure or strain can cause bone buildup. When you're young, it actually does the opposite. Um, and so uh, the body is pretty uh, you know, adaptable to a certain point, mm-hmm. about age 11, 12 uh, maybe a little bit older with guys, but then it's not so adaptable because the bones have fused <laughs> and it becomes, you know, there's no more cartilage. The bones have reached maturity. So, right. so, um, but yeah. So I, don't worry about the crackling. And um, I think mobilize your ankle mostly in weight bearing because that's the function of that, that what you're going to be um, needing that mobility the most. And I think in, in conclusion, the foot is very complicated we need to admire it and and take care of it and get our feet out of those um, horrific binding mechanisms of fancy shoes. I tell people that if they have to work and and wear fancy shoes, then I then they're going to have to either find a new job or change their shoes under their desk or something, or you know take the shoes and off. There's very uh, you can go to the website naturalfoothealth.com. Um, mm. There are dress shoes that are are made to look like dress shoes, but oh. have like that have the yeah, you were wearing some. Lap, I'm mm-hmm. wearing one right now. Yeah. Zero shoes. Nice. They they look dressy. They have wide toe box. They're flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, they're comfortable and they can look very fancy. Yeah. So um so and then uh, practice yoga, people. Practice yoga with me. You know, you can take my classes online. I have a I have a bunch of classes that and we always address the feet in my classes. And of course, you'll address them anyway because you'll be barefoot. But in yeah. particular, I, I per, um, help you help you prepare um, your feet by also paying attention to all the joints up up the chain from there. So, thank you, John. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. We could talk a while about the foot, but yeah, hope this was um, fascinating and fun for you. Please make sure that you give us um, any comments that you would like us to know about or questions. We'll be coming back for more. Um, programs with John for sure. And make sure that you take a screenshot of any review that you've done on and subscribe, subscribe, rate and review, and then take a screenshot and send it to very podcast at movementbylara.com. And you will get a free class link so that you can try classes out if you haven't yet for my daily lit classes. Thank you, John. We will now go walk around our house barefoot. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Sure. Bye. Bye. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.